Um, hey, I was just reflecting as I was in here. This is actually my first time in studio in this lockdown period. I was just reflecting how amazing this is. Like our church has pivoted to the fact that we are now worshipping in front of a screen. I am preaching to you in front of a screen. We have an incredible production team and that our family that we know as church continues together. And I think that is super exciting. The gospel will go out no matter what. And we need to remember that church. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that. Hey, I want to welcome you here today. Uh, it has been so amazing to see faces on Zoom over these past few weeks. You know, if you kind of hear this, oh, women's night on Zoom or prayer on Zoom, and you think that things on Zoom cannot be as good as things in person, I just want to debunk that myth right now because we've had some super powerful prayer meetings on Zoom over the past two weeks. I know the men have had some incredible gatherings via Zoom as well. And women, we are going to have a lot of fun this week. So I want to encourage you, be a part of it. It is awesome to see other people's faces and to talk together. And it's really, really powerful in this time when we can't gather. So make sure that you jump on this Tuesday to prayer or women that you're on this Thursday, because I look forward to seeing your faces. How um, how have you guys been going? I would like to say that I've absolutely loved the past two weeks of school holidays. I wonder if parents out there would like to agree with me on that. It has been so nice just not to have that, you know, homeschool, that burden of homeschool of trying to do that with the kids. My kids have been a lot happier. They have enjoyed free ranging and roaming the streets. Um, I have become one of those parents. Um, but I hope that whatever your week has looked like, that uh, you have had fun, that you have been connecting with people, been sending people messages, maybe calling people up. Um, and hey, I just wanted to actually give a shout out to our kids. I was thinking about this. I often find myself in situations where parents are talking about how hard lockdown has been and having to juggle work and kids at home. But I tell you what, our kids are amazing. And I know that many of you are sitting beside your parents right now. I just want to give a shout out that you guys are awesome because you've put up with us as your teachers. And I think that I'm probably not as gracious as the teachers that you have at school. And you've dealt with so many changes and disappointments. And I just want to encourage you kids that you are awesome and you bring a lot of light and life to our lives as parents and to the people around you. Uh, so thank you, kids. Keep going. Uh, the end is in sight. Hey church, I get the privilege today of preaching the last message in our series, A Home for Hope. I'm just getting used to here, camera, the uh, screen down here. So give me some grace today. But um, I want to encourage you that if you have missed any of our messages, would you jump on YouTube and listen to them? Because this series has been super significant. I have really loved the last two weeks where Pastor Nate has brought some real clarity on the spaces that we get together in and the dreams that he and Pastor Rachel have in their hearts for our future. And you don't want to miss understanding and hearing him unpack that. You know, he's spoken 
learn about our temple gatherings. So when we gather as these larger groups, that they are a party in a home. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And then also as we gather in smaller groups, he called it family time. That's when we gather people around our table and we're building deeper relationships with one another and we're going deeper in the word and we're really looking at how do we apply what God is speaking to us into our lives today. So can I encourage you to make sure that you watch those messages? But overarching this whole series, I'd have to say that there's this all-in mindset, right? We're all a part of this. And Pastor Darren really kicks that off in week one. You might want to go back and listen to his message again, but he reminded us that we are a home individually, that the hope of Jesus rests in us. And then as it comes out of us in these corporate spaces where we gather, that is where the hope of Jesus encourages and builds up one another. And then overflows, which is my privilege today to bring this final message, which is we are a home in the community, right? We take hope wherever we go. We get to take hope into the spaces and the places that we are in each and every day. And that overflow of Jesus that is in us, that we build as we are a home individually, that overflow of Jesus, sorry, hang on a sec. You will also have to give a bit of grace for my voice today. I have a full disclosure that I am an ex-speech pathologist and I have been ignoring a voice problem for a while now and it has caught up with me. So give me a little bit of grace as my voice comes in and out today, but I believe we're going to get through this message, hey? Come on. Church, our, our, our community should meet Jesus in us wherever we go. We're not just nice people. We're not just nice people in our community, but we actually carry a hope that is so radical in us that it should make us look different in the community around us. And so today I want us to actually revisit a passage of scripture. So we're going to go back to John 4. Now, last year, uh, we preached a deeper series and Pastor Nate uh, spoke about this interaction with Jesus and this woman and the well in Samaria. And we're going to go back there today. But what we're actually going to look at is what happened after that moment. What happened between Jesus and the disciples after this incredible moment where we see hope shared with this lady in Samaria and then with the whole town? But this time, I want to focus on the disciples because you know what? I think we can learn a lot from the disciples. I think we can learn a lot from what they did do and what they didn't do, and from the way that they saw situations. So we're going to be reading from John 4, 31 to 36 today. But before we jump in, let's just paint the picture first. So we know that Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee, and we know that he'd chosen to actually go through Samaria, which was something pretty unheard of. So there was so much division at that time between the Jews and the Samaritans that the Jews would actually walk way around Samaria just to avoid going through it. But Jesus was different. So he's chosen to take his disciples through Samaria, and he's sitting at the well 
And we know that he's on his own. The disciples had gone off to town to buy food. And this is where he has this interaction with this woman. And it's a powerful interaction. And it culminates in verse 26 with his declaration that he is the Messiah. He is the one that she has been waiting for. And we know that she goes off into town and she tells everybody and they come streaming out to meet this man. Now, one would think that the disciples in this situation would be super excited and interested in what they saw happening. But we get actually a bit of insight into the disciples' headspace in verse 27. We we see in the Bible that they're actually coming back. They're coming back from town and they see Jesus interacting with the woman at the well. And they don't have the nerve to actually talk to Jesus about it. (coughs) They don't actually have the nerve to talk to Jesus about it. But they're talking about it among themselves. They're asking questions. Wow, Jesus, what are you doing? What what, What are you talking to that woman? I wonder what's going on. And then as they come back and they're hearing and they're seeing the people streaming out to meet Jesus, you would think that their discussion would be, wow, Jesus, what's happened here? What's going on? Can you, can you tell us? We're excited to see what's happening. But as we pick up from verse 31, we actually see that they're in a very different headspace. So let's read together. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up. And look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. There is such a big difference in this moment between what the disciples saw and what Jesus saw. The disciples were looking right in front of them. All they could see were the practicalities of the situation. They have just gone to town and bought lunch and they're trying in in all good intentions to get Jesus to eat something because he was tired from the journey. We know that. And I am sure that they are fixated on the end point of their journey. For them, Samaria was only ever a lunch break. They were going to Galilee And they're probably thinking when we reach Galilee, like we're going to have incredible evangelistic rallies and outreaches, it's going to be awesome, probably going to stretch for days. Jesus, what are you doing? We just need to eat the food and get going because don't you know where we are? We're in Samaria. We can't afford to create a scene here. We can't afford to offend someone. We can't afford to make a problem or we won't get to the main thing, which is in Galilee. But Jesus stops them in this scripture and he interrupts their way of thinking and their way of seeing and he brings them back to the truth of who they are and what they were meant to do. And in this passage, Jesus is teaching them that where they are seeing practicalities, he sees people. 
right? And when they see the here and the now, he sees an eternal perspective. He's telling them, hey, right now is the evangelistic moment, like right now in front of you. And this has always been the plan, disciples, to bring hope wherever we go to the people in our world. That's my first point today. Our mission is people. Our lives are meant to overflow in hope so that people meet Jesus. I can't tell you enough that evangelism is not an event. It is not something that we are planning for and then we outwork. And it is certainly not only for the select few people, but rather our lives, your life, my life, all of us to kick together. They are examples of what it actually means to be saved and to walk with Jesus. We can't just talk about it. But when people see us walk it out, that is when hope overflows and they begin to ask questions about what is different with us. And that is the most effective way that we can reach people with the good news of the gospel, to live a life full of hope that overflows into people's lives. And can I encourage you, church, that when you live this type of life, you will discover that it is the best thing for you. It is actually the thing and the way to live that nourishes your soul. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 34 here. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus was focused on this will and this work, which is John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus knew that he was the hope that God was bringing into this world. And he knew that God wants everybody to find this hope. It is, it is not a coincidence that this happened in Samaria. Because Samaria was the last place that the disciples would have thought the hope of Jesus could be brought to. Jesus is saying there are no exceptions. I want all people to come to know the hope that is in Jesus. Do you know when Joshi was three years old, that's my little son, when he was three years old, we were on a holiday in Queensland and we were with all my family and we were saying goodbye to each other. We weren't going to see each other for a long time and we're actually in this parklands and on one side there was a main road and kind of up that end there was a big body of water like a swimming hole and on the side we're actually on the bay so there's water here and it was dusk time so you couldn't see very well. And we realized that Josh was missing. And Josh was missing for a good five minutes or so, which is enough time for a mum to run through every worst case scenario in their head. I felt like there was death all around me. Whichever way he went, it wasn't promising for a three-year-old that can't swim. And I've got to say that we dropped everything to find him. We called everybody to help us to find this little boy who was lost. And the relief when I found him was overwhelming. 
The relief to find him walking along the side of the road was completely overwhelming. And when I think of that story, it wakes me up to the eternal perspective of people around us. Our mission is people because being lost in an eternal sense is not a word that we should throw around thinking it's something minor. Somewhere our hearts have to be gripped by the reality that being lost is eternal separation from everything that is good, from God, from the one who brings hope, from the one that is able to, to do anything good in someone's life and from eternal, it's eternal separation forever and a day when this world will end and a new world will begin. Our mission is people because our hearts should be so broken about this concept that there are people walking around us each and every day that are lost in an eternal sense. And that is why this hope that we found in Jesus is, as Pastor Nate said, it's not an individual hope for me. It is. It has saved my soul. It does give me eternal life. It does give me hope right now, but it was never intended just to stay with me because it should be so radical in me and I should be so on fire to share that with the people around us, right? The question is, do we have that same love for people like Jesus did in this scripture? Is our mission in life, no matter where we are, people? Because it's our mission now. You know, this is not a corporate, you know, slogan that we write on our website. This is in the heart of Pastors Nate and Rach because it's in the heart of God. It is the great commission He has given to us. It is our corporate mission, but we are the church. So that makes it our mission. Your mission, my mission, it doesn't matter what we do in life. Our mission is people. And this is so exciting because, see, salvation doesn't depend on a program. You don't have to wait till Christmas outreach when you can invite someone to know Jesus. You don't have to wait till Easter when people are more ready to maybe receive the hope of the gospel. Those in your life are seeing your life right now and they are seeing the hope that is in you. And right now that hope should shine brightly because we're in a crisis. So as Christians, we get the privilege of bringing hope instead of fear right now, of living in a place of peace instead of anxiety, of bringing joy Instead of complaining, we get to speak life and bring joy to every situation we are in. And when we live our lives with this hope and this perspective, we are like Jesus right now in this moment where he is seeing people who are lost. And right now, that's his mission. And it allows us, it gives us the opportunity to invite people to connect into our community. And the exciting thing about our community is that invitation might be to a Sunday service, but it might also be to any one of the many, many spaces that we have as a church. You might invite them to come to a young adult's dinner party. You might invite them to be a part of an empowered life course or a V group or a depression and hope group. There are so many spaces that we then get to invite people to be a part of our community.
Church, God loves people so much that He sent His only Son. His mission was people, and that is our mission today. And it is a privilege to live life on that mission. I will give you full disclosure here that this sermon has wrecked me. And a preacher can't preach a message that they first haven't had to wrestle in their heart. I am so challenged by this concept of being a home in the community all the time, of being on mission for people all the time. Do I wake with this mission on my heart? Am I overflowing in hope in this moment right now? Because let me tell you, when lockdown began, I was not a happy camper. This one, the 2021 one. I was tired from 2020 and I was not in a good mood with the fact that we were in this situation again and, you know, our livelihood depends on our business and suddenly you feel like the rug's been pulled out from underneath you again and I've got four little kids and that overwhelming pressure that I felt that I could be mum and worker and teacher all in one, I just, I, I felt like I couldn't do it again. And I was constantly pushing back. I was the person that was like, nah, we're only going to be in this for seven days. Stop speaking that out. It's seven days. Then we're back to normality. I was constantly pushing back on this. And Pastor Nate would get up in our staff Zooms and he would tell us to embrace the season and find the opportunity. And underneath, I was rebuking that message in the name of Jesus. So just as a side point, if someone that you trust is saying something that maybe is irking and irritating you on the inside, potentially it is actually a message from the Holy Spirit and you should stop and listen a whole lot earlier than I did. Right? And at some point, I accepted the crisis. At some point, I stopped pushing back and willing normality to return and instead did, as Pastor Nate had encouraged us, begin to ask the questions. Okay, God, what are you doing in me in this moment? What are you saying to us as a church? What does it look like coming out of this? Why is my hope connected to the an end lockdown date and a return to normality rather than the eternal reality of what you are doing right now. Why do we get so caught up like the disciples in this scripture? Why is all we can see the practicalities and the problems and the obstacles? Why? Rather than seeing what God is doing in the eternal. Do you know what church? We are in a time of crisis. And God did not bring this crisis upon it, but he will use an interruption in our lives because sometimes we need to be interrupted. Sometimes we need the normalities and the patterns and all the things that we normally do just to stop so that we can actually be reframed by the Holy Spirit. And I see Jesus doing that here in this scripture. It's why this scripture arrested my heart for this message. Verse 35, Jesus says, You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for a harvest. 
And the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Church, our goal, our goal is hope. This is my second point today. Our goal is hope because the harvest is people brought to eternal life. That is the goal of everything that we do in life, not just church stuff. That is the goal of your life, wherever you find yourself. It is people coming to know Jesus. You might be the home in your street where everybody gathers. Can I tell you, that is not just to be known as the best social place, but you are actually called to bring hope to that neighborhood. You are called to be aware of the people God is placing in your space that you can bring life to. You might be passionate about education. You might be an amazing teacher. Can I tell you, it is not just to educate your students, but it is to bring life and hope. It is to see them also come to a knowledge of Jesus. You are planting seeds in their life way beyond any educational qualification that they can receive. Church, wherever you find yourself, you might be a business owner, a manager, a retail worker. You might be a volunteer in your community gardens. You might be part of our C3 yard maintenance team. You might be in a million places. That's the beauty of this because we all get to bring hope wherever we are. That is how the gospel spread through 12 men, 12 men. It was simply because they brought hope wherever they went and they instilled that in their followers and their followers went out and brought hope wherever they went and can i tell you that right now in the middle of this messy COVID world god is bringing people into your path who are ready they're ready to receive the hope that you have in jesus the harvest is ready you get to harvest seeds that you did not sow. That's the beauty of this scripture. Normally in the natural world, right? You've got to plant seeds and then you've got to wait for a harvest. But Jesus is saying no, because in the spiritual world, it happens side by side. You might plant seeds that other people harvest and then you get to harvest seeds that other people have planted. Church, right now, people are looking for hope in your world. And can I be honest, it grieves me so much to see believers fighting wars amongst themselves right now over issues that don't matter in the sense of people being lost. Right now, we are called as a body of believers to focus on keeping the unity of the Spirit and to love one another because our fight is not against flesh and blood right now. It is not against one another. It is not against leadership. Do not be distracted from the main game. Do not be like the disciples looking at something in the future, but be like Jesus who sees that right now as the church, we have the greatest opportunity to bring hope and life and love right where we are. I love that God has not stopped working church. He hasn't put his plans on hold because, oh my goodness, we ended up in lockdown and we can't gather anymore as a building. So therefore we have to wait until we can come back together before we can start this whole being homes and community again. No. What if this crisis 
is actually awakening something in us? What if it's an interruption that is finally helping us to see that church is not contained in a building, right? But what church actually is, it's us being homes of hope in our community so that people are discovering the love of God and the hope that they have in Jesus so that when we do gather together, there is this overflow of celebration that the lost have been found. We have new people coming back. The Acts 2 church had people that were being added to their number daily. That is not a historical story. I wholeheartedly believe that that is who we are as a church. We should be seeing people added to our number daily because we get to bring hope into their lives. Honestly, I believe the saddest thing that could happen is that we come out of this period of lockdown and we go back to normal. Let's not go back to normal because God is doing a new thing, right? We have a vision as a church to be a home for hope. That is our vision. That is your vision. That is what we get to do as the people of God. He has called us to this mission. He has called you to this mission. Everything in our lives finds meaning and purpose as we seek God and as we live out this mission. Can I encourage you right now, if you are asking God, what's my purpose, God? Stop looking for what and seek who. Because in God, He will lead you to walk in this purpose. And I guarantee in whatever space that you find yourself in, it will involve people. It will be about bringing hope to people. Your job is not just a job, but it's a space that you bring hope to people. Your community things that you're a part of, the sporting teams, the parents that you meet on the sidelines of your kid's soccer game or netball game. They're not just people, but they're opportunities that you get to bring hope to those people. If you are actually online with us right now and you haven't found this hope that I'm talking about in Jesus, can I encourage you that hope in Jesus is something that will radically change your world because there is something beyond this life that we see. And you know, my story is that I had the things that I needed. I'm very blessed in life, but there was something empty until I found and really walked with Jesus. And He has changed my life and I wanna see that same thing for you. And following Jesus is as simple as acknowledging that we are separate from God because of our sin, but that in Jesus, He chose to come and die for our sins. He chose to come and give us a way to walk with Jesus. He took on our punishment. And when we accept that, and when we acknowledge Him as Lord, then we become followers of Jesus. And right now, I want you to click on the link that will pop up. And I want you to click on the link for prayer because I want you to, it'll take you through to a pastor and they will explain to you and talk to you about what it means to start a relationship with Jesus. Would you click on that link? And, and we've got pastors waiting, ready to talk to you. And to church, 
Guys, you guys are amazing. We are so blessed by an incredible community in this church. But we should feel so challenged coming out of this series because God is moving. And the question is, where are you with what He is doing? Where are you with what He is doing right now? And I believe that the Holy Spirit is stirring your hearts. And it is very significant that that this series has happened now Even though we see the end point in lockdown, I feel the urgency of the Holy Spirit saying, don't go back to normality without actually dealing with what God is calling you to right now. And I saw two things that the Holy Spirit put His finger on. For some of you, this crisis has found you overflowing in something other than hope. What's coming out of you in your words and in your actions is not hope. And I want to encourage you that's not condemnation, but it's actually the stirring of the Holy Spirit to call you deeper into Him. I want to encourage you to go back to Pastor Darren's message from week one. And I want to encourage you with this scripture. I've been praying this scripture over you this week. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is your source. Just like Pastor Nate said before, you need to fill up on God right now. You need to fill up with His Word. And can I encourage you that you are planted in this house and at a time where there are so many conflicting voices out there, even among Christianity, spend time in the messages that are coming out of this house out of your pastors because they are the messages of hope that God is speaking into your world right now. And the second thing I felt the Holy Spirit put His finger on is, for some of us, we realize we've been going through the motions, going through the motions of church or going through the motions of life. And I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring you right now to His mission that is people. There's a realigning of your life and the priorities. And He is, it's like, wake up. I have placed you in these positions that you find yourself in, in your work, in your community. I have placed you there, not just to be the best worker or the best person, but to actually bring hope. And the encouragement to you is to wake up because the harvest is now. There are people right now ready to receive the hope that is Jesus. And church, I can't wait until when we do gather together again, there will be multitudes of new people in our community because they have received a message of hope. I want to pray for us, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love people so much, God, that you sent your son Jesus for us and that we now have a hope on the inside that is so radical that it completely changes everything that we do and every way that we see life, Lord. Right now, we just realign ourselves with the understanding of your mission of your mission on earth, which is not thwarted in any situation, but actually increases in times of crisis because your hope is so precious. Lord God, I pray for our people right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, as you are stirring them, that they will respond. Lord God, that we would respond to you. We would respond to your call to love people and to bring hope into their lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd go out in power upon our people now, Lord. Would you speak to them this week and do the work in them as they align themselves to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.